You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Speaking of uh, great opportunities, I've got one for everybody out there with DraftKings. Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. I actually do pretty well in the uh, hockey DraftKings, so highly recommend that one if you're a listener of this podcast. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prices only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Two Stars, One Cup podcast, the Dallas Stars Focus hockey podcast, and just overall fun podcast hosted by myself, Shippy, and my main man, Craig Ludwig. Luds, how are you doing today, man? I am real good, Ship. Uh, took the game in last night. Uh, not the exact outcome, but it's a little chilly out here by the lake. It is. Are you getting a little bit of light snow? No, didn't get much out here at all. Nothing. It's- so oh, yeah. I was just outside, um, I mean, maybe about 10 minutes ago, I was just outside, and there was a little bit of light snow falling. So um, if you're going to be out on the on the roads, I mean, you know how Texas drivers are whenever, you know, whether any type of precipitation hits the roads, whether it's just rain or snow, everybody here loses their mind. So we got to make sure we, uh, we got to make sure that we uh, keep our heads on a swivel out here and, uh, and be safe as we try to navigate these roads. And, uh, you know, Real quick, before we get into the Dallas Stars and these, you know, last two disappointing games that they've had, um, you know, one thing that won't disappoint you is Ish Beardworks. Did you know that 15 out of 10 of the best hockey players of all time have glorious beards? Don't check my mouth. I'm pretty sure it's right. It may or may not be true. But if you want that Stanley Cup championship quality beard, check out Ish Beardworks and Men's Hygiene. They make lightly scented, handcrafted, all-natural men's grooming products for the man who wants to look good without smelling like a pine tree farted in his face. And guess what? They donate a portion of the profits to charities that support children in foster care and awaiting adoption. So not only are you getting your beard game right, you're helping out some kids in need as well. So go to ishbeardworks.com. That's I-S-C-H beardworks.com and check everything that they have to take your beard game and hygiene to the next level. Ish Beardworks is the proud official sponsor of this official Dallas Stars Focus podcast and official creator of the baddest ass beards in all of DS- DFW. It's the ish. So can you. Now, Luds, one thing that uh, all of a sudden hasn't been the ish is the Dallas Stars play um, these last two games against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, pretty disappointing 
I guess, performances, especially when you get such a great performance out of your young uh, goaltender in uh, Jake Ottinger. What did you see that was kind of the problem for the Dallas Stars in these in the two games against the Blackhawks? Uh, you know what? I don't know if there's really a problem. I think you just go through spells during the course of the year where um, the puck doesn't seem to go on the net for you. They got off to a start yeah. again this year. The way that they were running in the playoffs last year, everything they seemed to shoot uh, that was from a good spot was finding the back of the net. The power play was on fire, obviously. You're always going to run into those things sometime yeah. during the year. Uh, not everybody's Tampa Bay where you can just kind of fill the net night after night. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's been guys in and out of the lineup. The lines have been being juggled, it seems like, every couple games. So I, I see today that, you know, a couple guys were put on the taxi squad. And, um, you know, so they're still juggling things around. But, again, I, you know, a couple things came out of the, uh, for me, the last couple of games. And, number one, you hit on it was Ottinger. And I think that uh, he did very, very well. And, and yes. I think what it does is does it put some pressure on Doby? Now, you know, because now all of a sudden you do have a guy that is starting to show what he can do. If you take out the overtimes, um, he's got a save percentage of 966. You know, he gave up two goals and something like 57 shots or something like that without the overtimes in there. Um, anytime you get a goalie in that uh, neighborhood, he's on top of the league. So um, yeah. I thought as the games went along, each one of them, he got a little bit deeper into him. He seemed to look a little bit more comfortable mm -hmm. uh, with things going on in front of him and around the net. Uh, so that's the bright spot. Uh, the downside is, uh, you know, I'd said this a while ago, you know, the, the teams on the bottom of the division, you've got to find a way to take points from because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, they ended up taking two out of four. Uh, Chicago mm -hmm. took four out of four um, on that pair of games there. Um, but to Chicago's credit, they're playing pretty well. I think they're they've out of 11 games, they've picked up a point in at least 10 of them. So mm -hmm. their last 10, 11 games, they've been, they've been playing real well, and they seem to have found – the goaltender, uh, this Lankinen kid, has been standing on his head for him. Um, he was real good against both uh, both games against Dallas, and um, you know the shiny penny. It seems like in between him and Subban there, that was the big talk, uh, along with Jonathan Taze the, and about Chicago being out. Is who was going to be their goaltender? They had a couple yeah. guys there. They didn't know what was going to happen. So that's the good news for Chicago. But you know, it doesn't get easier for Dallas. Um, I kind of looked at the schedule, their home schedule now. You know, they had a couple tough teams coming in here. Tampa's going to end up in here and Carolina. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they shape up against Florida when they get on the road. So uh, they got Nashville in here, but they got to start picking up some points. You want to keep pace here. Yeah, and you know, you know, you hit on a lot of different things there that I kind of want to dive more into, but I kind of want to stick with the Ottinger thing for just a second and kind of putting pressure on Doby, like you mentioned, because it was interesting after he earned that second – um, start Rick bonus was real quick afterwards, you know, after he announced that, you know, Ottinger would be starting or when it was brought up, he was like, Hey, but Dobie doesn't have anything to worry about. But then he goes out and puts together that performance that he did, which was even better than his first game against the Blackhawks. I mean, he made some incredible saves. I didn't get to see some of the replays, but it looked like there was like three or four times where I thought they were about to just, you know, slam a puck home. And he was somehow able to get his pad over there or something like that. And do you think that this, I mean, I, we've talked about this before in the offseason. Do you think that this – what do you think this does with Ben Bishop and the Dallas Stars? Like, how do you think that this could affect uh, Bish? I don't think it's going to affect Ben. I think you give him the benefit of the doubt as he's out. When he comes back, he's going to come back when the time is – to me, it's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, yeah, I think absolutely. It puts, uh, 
it puts pressure on Hugh Dobin first and foremost. And, you know, the game that he had against Columbus, it wasn't a good effort. And there were three soft goals that went in. Um, so, you know, and he knew that. I mean, again, like I said earlier, you, you got to give that guy a pass after everything he's done. Yeah. Uh, going back to playoffs and how he's been, he's been great for him. So um, he had, a, he had a bad game. Um, it was an opportunity that Ottinger comes in he plays well in the first one. Give him another shot. Give a little extra work to Dobie. And sometimes goaltenders need to work with their goalie coaches. You know, if they can get a little help in when some kind of, this kind of condensed schedule, let's let them get the time in there. And like I said, I think it puts some pressure on him, knowing now that the kid can get in there and do the job. So it may raise him to a level where, you know, it was kind of back and forth with Bishop before Bishop ended up going off with an injury in the playoffs. So right. as far as Ben. Uh, ben is probably going to be the number one until he shows that he's not the number one. So I think that when right. Fish comes back and he'll be doing all of his rehab and and he'll probably, I, I would assume that he won't get in until he is ready, uh, you know, considering that things are going well with these two guys. And from there on, uh, I would expect Bishop to come back and then play well. And, and for any reason, Ben has, you know, some kind of stretch where he loses two out of three or two out of four or something like that to go back to Dobin. And then now here comes your, your one, two, but a lot of things I think can happen between now and then. So right now um, it's Hugh Dobin. There's a good battle going on right now, maybe, you know, between Hugh Dobin and Ottinger. And, you know, with the, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the season as well with how condensed this season is and how, you know, taxing it is on the whole, on the whole roster in general. This is, I mean, Ottinger playing like this is exactly what the Dallas stars needed. Cause mm-hmm. you don't want to have to play Hugh Dobin for, I don't know, four straight games, then give him one. You To be able to go back and forth like they would with Ben Bishop, and obviously Ottinger doesn't have the name that Ben Bishop has just yet because he hasn't put in the time, but he reminds me a lot the way that he you know plays goalie. He reminds me a lot of Ben Bishop. Like Even when things were hectic around him, he didn't look super hectic in the way that he was recovering and things like that, where Doby, when I see him playing, he's kind of more like wild ass back there, right? Like He's a little crazier and all over the place where Andre looked very just like calm, you know, collected yeah. and, you know, that kind of, um, I guess, approach to his, uh, you know, to how he plays goalie. Well, it's his style. You know, he's, he's very systematic and I think he's calculated in what he does. He's, he's very confident in his positioning. I think for big goaltenders, um, you know, Hugh Dobin is more of a scrambler and you yes. know, he gets in there and he's going to die from side to side. And, and I think with Ottinger and Bishop, what they do is they rely on their size and they can go down. And once they go into a butterfly, they take the bottom of the net away from post to post, typically with their pads. If they sit and then if they're upright, you know, their shoulders are at the crossbar. So there's not a lot of space and big goaltenders can play a little bit deeper in their crease because of the size that they are. So right. I, I just think that that's, I think all the goaltenders now are very technical. And, uh-huh. and I think Hugh Dobin's a little bit outside of that, um, even though that I'm sure that he has some kind of technical things within him. He just seems to be that guy that that, that does whatever he has to take uh, to make a save. And he's not very fluid in his motion. A lot of times he just jumps across, he scrambles, he never quits on anything. And the big guys can kind of just rely on their size. And I think that's what Ottinger is. And, you know, you can tell he doesn't get rattled when he's in the net. And, and yeah. he's not worried about things around the front of him that are laying there because he knows when he's down and the puck is there, he's probably got most of the holes all taken taken care of. His, his legs are touching the post. His pads are together in front by his knees, so there's no holes down low. Mm-hmm. Where, where a guy like Udobin, who might be laying on his butt or kind of scrambling on his side, um, you know, he's got to kind of scramble a little bit more. Yeah, and I mean, you you bring up the game against um, Columbus where Hudobin really struggled, and there was, I think it was the very first goal, like, the way I watch Ottinger play, like, that first goal that he allowed against Columbus, a guy who plays 
you know, goalie the way that Ottinger and Ben Bishop does, they that's a, like that part's not going to be open up for somebody to fit a puck through. You know, I see, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. I just noticed that Ottinger I, I really that, plays that post and then like real hu- hugs it pretty tight. Yeah, I mean that that one just squeaked through. And again, yeah. it, I, I take that one. And I throw the whole game away because uh, he didn't look good on any of the goals that went in. Uh, so it was just one of those games where he'd open. And so, I, I, like I said, um, there's a lot of times when, you know, it's one thing to be playing and, and you're winning five out of six games, seven out of seven games, eight, eight out of nine or ten games, and that one game comes along, that one that really smells. And, yeah. you know, when you're on a good run, you basically just take it. You come into the locker room as a coach and you say, we're going to park that one. We get back to work tomorrow and we win our next hockey game. It's different when you're winning th- or losing three, four, five games in a row or four out of – six things like that. But, uh, you know, as far as Dobie goes, um, he, he really hasn't had a chance to, you know, make up for that game. And, and so I, I think he's itching to be able to do that. And, and like I said, I, I think it's good that, that Ottinger came in there. There's no question and the players there. There's no question in the uh, coaching staff upstairs. And you know, if, if the playoffs started next week, it'll be Hedobin uh, starting the playoffs and, you know, Bishop not being back. So, um, but, but again, it, it's all a good problem to have. Um, and, and all I think all this does is you're able to kind of look at the schedule now and, and make sure you can pick certain games that you want Hudobin, what, what teams do you want him to go up against? What teams do you think that Ottinger would be do well against? And, and you can find a way to get some rest for her, for both of them. And, and, you know, it's even greater. You get into the playoffs and all of a sudden, you know, you've got somebody else. If there's an injury comes along, you've got a kid that's, that's shown you what he's done yeah. in the regular season part of this thing. So, um, you know, I would expect that. I don't think it's going to be 50-50 going forward, um, mm-hmm. but I think we're you may be closer to 60-40 than we ever thought. Nice. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, as a Stars fan and a Stars supporter, that's obviously what you would like to, mm-hmm. you know, like to be hearing and not, you know, not have a backup where you don't have any type of confidence yeah. in them. And, you know, Alex, I want to talk about Alexander Radulov now because, I've noticed a significant difference in just how the Dallas stars move the puck offensively without him in the lineup. And, you know, the first game that he missed, I was getting ready to DJ the game. And so I didn't even notice that he was out, but I was watching. I was like, this team just seems flat. Like it's missing, missing something. And it was missing who I think is their catalyst is Alexander Radulov. And, you know, we've talked about it before. He'll take the offensive Mm -hmm. penalties, but he scores a lot of their most important goals. Is you think that that's accurate that he is the like the the, the Dallas Stars catalyst offensively for this team? Well, I, I think I think he's a leader, and I think anytime your leader's out, I think he's he's a character. Uh, I think the way that he plays the game on the ice, even as a guy in his mid thirties, he he brings a lot of youth to the game and excitement to the game. I think that. Um, his facial expressions, whether it's a pass or it's a goal or it's one of his goals, his celebrations, I think guys are looking forward to that. And, and yeah. so you have those kind of players um, that they're infectious. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's what you when he's not in the lineup because they kind of gravitate to him and they're always looking to see what he's going to do next. Obviously, he's a great puck handler, uh, passer, uh, and you're right, he does score some big goals. I think he scores a lot of goals that are hardworking goals. And not only that, he never quits on a play. Um, you know, and I've always talked about Rad's taking penalties, and there, there are stretches during the year where he seems to take a, a penalty and then another penalty, and a lot of times they're in the offensive zone, and that's the last place you really want to take penalties yeah. in the offensive zone. But if you look at the penalties, uh, 80% of them are because he works so hard. They're mm-hmm. hard-working penalties. They're not, they're not stupid penalties. They're not, you know, <clears throat> the ones that you complain about all the time. It's because of his work ethic, and he doesn't right. quit on it. He keeps working. So, and like I said, that kind of spreads throughout the club. And they're like, 
especially for the young guys. You know, they look and they see a 34, 35-year-old guy playing that way and playing that hard night after night. It's a kind of role model that you want for your young guys, and I think that's what you miss the most when he's out of the lineup. You know, and speaking of those young guys, Ty Delandre, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, he's continued to impress me, and, you know, because of some of these guys coming back, he's moved down to the fourth line. But I want to specifically talk about that first game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and I want to get your um, opinion on this. What would it, What does it mean to a guy like Ty Delandre in the rest of the locker room when Jamie Benn drops the gloves sticking up for Ty Delandre, who was, you know, having words with Zadorov before that? Well, it, it, it kind of shows his, his leadership. And, and I've said this about Jamie since the playoffs last year, you know, about how we played the games in the playoffs and how he's picked it right up where he left off uh, this year is, is he's the leader of the team. And, and he's yeah. the, you know, you know, we used to circle certain players' names on the boards. And, you know, if you want to kill a snake and you chop off the tail, it, it, they're not going to die. You got to yeah. chop off the head. And Jamie's the head of the snake for this club. And, and he understands the tone of a game. It doesn't have to be a fight um, or whatever it is, but, you know, whether the big hit or somebody's talking to a younger player, somebody's talking one or two, one of your top players, maybe Haskin and Klingberg, things like that. Jamie will be the first guy that'll step in. And here, you know, he, he sees somebody six foot six talking to a 20 year old kid yeah. and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. And he's like, Hey, you know, you want to screw around with him. You're going to have to go through me. And, and that's what he does. And, and that's where the spark comes from. It's the same kind of spark that you get from Pavelski on a certain play, a tip-in or a one-face-off, where Radulov does certain things. And so Jamie understands that role, and that's part of his DNA. And it's part of what makes him a captain, and it's part of what makes him one of the top players in the league. Because at any moment, uh, especially from looking at the other bench, you never know what Jamie can do. And he's not afraid of anybody. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen Jamie lose a fight. Um, it, you know, he may, he may have tied a lot of them, but I don't think he's ever lost a fight. Yeah. Um, it's funny because a couple nights earlier, his brother, Jordy, uh, took on a tough guy from Toronto too. So, and Jordy didn't fare so well in the game, but oh, he no. did the same thing. <laughs> well, you know, one, one of the players from, from Vancouver got run, one of the, you know, skilled guys. Yeah. And so Jordy stepped up to the plate and, and did exactly what Jamie does. And so it's in their blood. It's what they mm -hmm. do. And. I just think they're great teammates. And, I wonder if it's that, part of I wonder if it's that brother that syndrome. Off. I wonder if well, it's like that brother syndrome, like if they grew up, you know, protecting one one another, and so they look at their teammates the same way. Yeah, but usually I think it's the big brother protecting the little brother, which may yeah. happen in that family. But I don't think you really got to protect the little brother here. I think he can take no. care of himself and maybe yeah. take care of the big brother too. Yeah, he's shown that he can definitely take care of that. And like mm -hmm. one thing that I really liked about that fight too is because you know because of because I was working at the time, I didn't even realize that. Delandria and Zadorov were having any type of words or anything. And it just seemed just so out of nowhere that that fight happened. I thought Jamie was trying to spark the team because following that, like leading up to that moment, it was a pretty flat game. There was no rhythm. There was no, like, you know, there were a lot of whistles and things like that. And once Jamie Ben dropped the gloves, it seemed like everybody was throwing hits. I think they came down the ice and Klingberg, you know, hit somebody yeah. into the boards and everybody, every time it, you know, a Blackhawks player was on the boards with the puck. There was a Dallas star coming in to hit them, you know, and they were paying the price. Well, but Jamie spotted it right away. I mean, he spotted it right away during the game after Zadorov was talking to Delandria. And, and so he mm -hmm. was kind of going to Delandria, you know, obviously they have a size difference and it was right, right. off the face. It's very next face off Jamie, right off the face off. He kind of looked around, you know, the winger kind of said, Hey, let's go. And you know, he, he said, okay, let's go. And credit to Jamie. Uh, I mean, he's a smart, he's a smart fighter too, because you know, Zadorov's six, 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 seven. He's got that reach advantage. And Jamie went right inside right away. And yeah. he didn't have the ability to grab him 
them and, and hold them back. And so, and he got the jump on him and he never let up. So, but again, that's what I mean. You, you have to be able to smell out certain times in the game. And, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes it's way too late. Sometimes there's guys, they wait to the third period and you're down three to nothing. And all of a sudden they want to do something. Well, you should have recognized it probably a period and a half earlier that the game was getting away from you. And yeah. so that's what, I think that's what the, the bonus and the benefit of having veteran players on your club is they've been in so many different circumstances. They can take the temperature of a hockey game and the score may be one, one or two to two or two to one. And they can, they'll know that you're not even, you shouldn't even be in the game right now. And they're not going to wait, you know, another period to do something about it or find a way to change the tone and the temperature of the pace of the game. They've got to find a way to get the momentum back. And and that's what Jamie did is he ended up getting some momentum back for the team. I want to talk about some kind of surprising NHL news uh, before we get back into the Dallas Stars that, you know, Miku Koivu came out of nowhere and just retired. And I saw a lot of people online saying that maybe it's Tortorella. And that was kind of a lot of people speculating, I guess, that Torts was the reason behind that. What did you make of that whenever that news came out? Because, I mean, I certainly took it as a, a huge surprise. I think it was just a coincidence. I think it was the same line A and them. I mean, you know, first you go, you know, they, they make a trade. They get line A there. Uh, Dubois goes the other way. There there was a lot of stuff going on. Torts is torts. I mean, you know, he's going to stir the pot. He's going to do whatever he has to do to get the players going. And I think that, you know, it kind of came on the heels of one line A only played six minutes in a hockey game. It's first or second game. He gets our fourth mm-hmm. game, I think it was. He gets sat down. He doesn't play the rest of the game. I think that... Koivu's been around for a long time, and he's been a great pro. He's been a great NHLer, and I think that he probably wasn't playing up to his standards. And and I think some, you know, and it's too bad that that it has to happen, you know, ten games into a season. Right. Um, he was so such a great player in Minnesota when he played, and I think he just recognized the situation. I I think that if you, if anybody would have known that, they would have probably knowing what was all going on, they may have wanted to kind of say, hey, can you wait until this storm kind of blows over a little bit with with Line? It's going to be a right. couple of days from now or something like that. Yeah. But, but I think I think he already had his mind made up, and I think he probably had already talked to the general manager, um, which I'm sure they did. I'm sure that between him and Torts, they already knew what it was, and 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 I don't think at that point. And a player, uh, I think it'd be different, you know, if it was a younger guy, but all of a sudden you've got a guy that's been in the league for a long time. He's earned the right to do what he wants to do, especially when he's not feeling that he's contributing to the team. And and I think a lot of that goes into, you may be letting your teammates down, but you're also letting your family down. And I think there's a lot of that that comes into play. And you've got kids and all that, and they're not used to you playing the way that you've been playing. And they're used to seeing a certain style, and you don't want to let your family down. And I think that a lot of that probably had something to do with it. Talked to the coach, talked to the GM, and said, listen, tomorrow I'm going to announce that I'm done. And it's hard to tell the guy, no, you can't do that, because we already got another issue down the hall here. Right. I mean, it, Anyway, I, I think it just kind of all snowballed, and they put one on top of the other one. Yeah, it just was really unfortunate timing for them in terms of just, just I guess from a public perception, right? Like mm-hmm. it just looks, it looked bad. It looked like maybe it was something having to do with like internal, you know, affairs yeah. or things like that. Which and, and that it's it's great for the press, right? Because now they can start to pile that stuff up. Back. Yeah, right. Every- Every every news outlet and every channel was talking about it and Tortorella and but you know I, I think that Torch kind of brings that stuff on himself though too you know what I mean right. he knows one way to coach and he pushes buttons and he wants players to play a certain way and um, the general manager uh, seems to accept it he says he loves the way that he coaches his team and he holds people accountable um, there's a lot of Ken Hitchcock in Torch I was going to ask you if, yeah I was going to ask you if that would be a good comparison for them too because. 
it seems yeah. like, you know, it seems like they both have a very, you know, um, stern style of, you know, coaching. Yeah. Well, they're hardcore. You know what I mean? And, and today's player is a little bit different. You, you have to be able to handle the players now. The young kids are not like it used to be a long time ago where you can get in their face and you can yell and scream and they're going to, you know, do the right things. And so you got you got to talk to them differently. You got to handle them a little bit differently. So they're old school coaches. Right. And, and that's how they know to play. Not only that. Uh, you know, he, he's got a team that's not full of superstars. And so that's their one superstar that they have now. And one guy that can go out there and probably, you know, change a game in one shot. And, uh, but when you've got 18 of the, uh, or 17 of the 18 skaters that are, you know, I don't want to say they're plumbers, but they're like third and second line guys. You got to play a certain way. You got to play a hard, hard kind of style of play. And you got to try to push teams out of the game. And especially when you're coming up against teams like Tampa Bay and Dallas and teams like that, that have some skill on there. And, you know, it's, it's the will before skill kind of thing. So that's the way Torts coaches. And he wants all of his guys to kind of be pulling on the rope at the same time. And, you know, there, and I, I really, I said this earlier, I think line a, uh, you know, I think he developed as a player that can play with that within that system that Tortorella does. In Winnipeg, he was coming, he was making steps to being that guy that would play closer to a 200 foot game. Like he works hard, he comes back into his own zone. He's not going to win a selfie for the best defensive player in the league or forward in the league. It's not going to happen. But if he can just, you know, pitch in there and shoot the puck and, you know, he finds ways to score goals. And so that's what things are for. And, you know, we haven't talked about this yet. We haven't had a chance to even talk about the Anton Hudobin. You know, being late to practice, internal affairs that the Dallas Stars, you know, ended hey, that's up having an internal thing. We're not talking about it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's internal. But it's weird because Doby talked about it. He's like, "Yeah, I was late for practice, and you know, that's the yep. rule that Bones has got." But I mean, I think all things considered, so th- it's funny when the the news first came out, and it was like, you know, due to internal issues, is how it was worded. I was like, "Oh my God, is something wrong with like Doby's like spleen or something?" Like I thought it was actually like an internal organ. <laughs> so I'm over, I'm over here like, "Oh my God, like this, like this is horrible." Like, and then I thought about it. I was like, wait, that's probably something like an internal organizational type thing. An internal but, clock, maybe. That's what the problem was. Hey, and I am not good at waking up early either. So oh, I, you are I, terrible. I feel Doby on the inability to wake up early and that internal clock. And then the internal clock has also got something, mine does at least, that's got something that's really good at turning off my alarms without me even knowing. So yeah, I know we, we can't even do this thing at 10 o'clock in the morning because half the time you're still <laughs> sleeping at 11. Well, so I, I know all about that, but you know what? It, it, it's tip. I think it's more common with younger players kind of getting used to the whole, the rhythm and systems and, you know, times and all that other kind of stuff. But typically you don't see this with older players. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe he just didn't have it. He didn't sleep all night long. And all of a sudden he doesn't fall asleep till seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, whatever it may be. I, I don't think we're ever going to know really what it is. And maybe that's all it was. He just didn't wake up on time. And, and I give credit to bone. So, you know what I mean? That, that sets the tone for your organization. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's him, if it's Ottinger, if it's Carol, if it, it, Delandria, um, it's easy to do it to those kind of players. It's easy to say, no, you're not playing tonight. But when it's your guy that got you to where you went to in the playoffs last year, and you know what kind of pressure is put on this short season, uh, you know, to be able to say that, uh, but that also to me, it also says that they have confidence in that goaltender and Ottinger. That's yeah. okay. You know what? We know how important these points are, but we, we do believe that we got a guy here that can, you know, do just as well or, or at least get us to that point. And he's going to be our guy at some point here. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's credit all around. Like I said, things happen for a reason. And maybe this uh, just shows them what Ottinger can do. And Doby's going to get a little bit more rest and be a little bit more ready to go for the whole season. 
Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, I mean, I know he's obviously a super motivated guy, anyways, but it's got to add yeah. motivation, like we were mentioned earlier, a little bit of pressure, you know, just to see the backup young guy come in and do so well. Um, yeah. You know, it's just going to make him want to come back and be even stronger. So I'm certainly looking forward to. I mean, I'm assuming we'd probably see Doby tomorrow night, you know, with the Canes in town, right? I mean, it's been I think it's been a week since he's played. I, w- I would have to say yes. I, I would, I, you know, it would surprise. You know, it'd be it'd be different if Ottinger won one of those two games, or maybe won them both. But I think just because, and he played well, but at the end of the day, he didn't get the win. And right. he didn't get three out of four points this this week from this club. And so, you know, if he'd have taken three out of four, I, three out of four, maybe it's easier to go back to him. But even even with that, I, I just think that you can't let Hugh Dobin sit there for two weeks and not play because at the end of the day, uh, take ben, ben out of the out of the picture for a moment, and who knows? Hopefully, his rehab is going the way it's supposed to go, and he's going to be back on time or maybe sooner. But if it doesn't, he's he's going to be your number one guy, and so you got to make sure that he's up and running and getting the work that he needs. Sometimes it's good for them goaltenders to step back and get some more technical things, whatever they work with their, you know, their, their goaltending coaches. So, uh, but again, he's not a guy that you want. He is used to it though. We know that we know that, uh, you know, he's gone long stretches without starting a game. So uh, Hugh Dobin's used to that, but I think he's deserved the right to jump back in there now for sure. No, yeah, I agree. I think they need, and I think it'd be good just to get him out there because I saw Ottinger talk about, you know, after last night's game, basically he talked about building off of his confidence that he built in himself from his first mm-hmm. game against Chicago. And just he mentioned how important that is for a goalie. And I think the Stars would be wise to get Hudobin back out there to get his confidence back going again and, you know, give him a chance to move on from that last uh, poor performance that he had. Well, it, uh, you know what? Again, he's a guy that's been around for a long time. He, it was probably gone the day after the game. Uh, that, yeah. That's my my thing. I, I think that he's mentally tough enough. Um, it seems to me he's got the, the right mindset to be a goaltender, and, and I think that was already gone. And so, you know, I, I'm sure him and Bones and, and Jeff, his goaltender coach, they, they had a good talk, and they said, listen, here, here's a real good time. What happened happened, and he, would open, he said it's not going to happen again. And I think everybody believes him. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. Um, so it's a one-off. And, hey, but here's an opportunity. Let's let the kid play. We had a team coming in here that isn't a Tampa, isn't a Florida, isn't a Carolina. Um, so let's let's give him some time. And then he played well enough that he deserved another start. I mean, it's kind of – I love the system that they have. I mean, if you're going to play well enough, we're going to give you another crack. And, and so right. I think it just makes you hungrier. It makes you hungrier to want to get to work when you're not in it and hungrier to play well and do what you're supposed to do when you get in the lineup. And it's for the longest time, it seemed like the stars didn't instill a lot of that confidence in their younger guys, you know, talking about Dennis Gurionov going back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. And, you know, there's a, you know, and even like Julius Honka, his, his first tenure here. He's driving South today. I see. (laughs) Wait, what? He's going down. He's going down to Austin. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, he's heading south. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for him. I, I you know, again, I do too. I, like I said, maybe they had that talk, and they knew that this was going to be part of the program. Um, so it just seems like it's it's Groundhog Day for him. So, but you know, he, he's here and he's not over in Europe playing. Um, right. But I think that. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets an opportunity uh, at some point to be able to show in a, in, a, in a game what he can do or any any steps or progress that he's made in the last year and a half. Yeah, because, I mean, when he was last here, I saw a lot of things that I liked in his game. You know, I mean, there's a, he's obviously not yeah. a perfect defenseman, but I saw, especially offensively, and I remember the way he would kind of quarterback the, the power play at times. And this was, you know, you know. Hey, you know what the other thing is? Aren't they just getting ready to get started? Has the American League started? Uh, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I think they're about to get. I thought they were uh, just getting ready to get started. Yeah. So you know what? 
this may have been the plan all along. Like, you know, you're going to come here and, and you're probably going to start there. We're telling you you're going to start, you know, mm-hmm. down there. It, it just because I think we want to see what you got. Sixth or ninth or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if they started yet. I, I, I thought they were starting a little bit earlier, but maybe that's why he's, you know, it was already written in stone that, that you're going to be here. You're going to stay here, taxi squad or whatever it is. And when the American League gets up and gets ready to go, you're going to go there, play a few games, and then he'll probably be back. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's just been good to see, like, guys like Delandria and even Jason Robertson and um, Caro, like, people like that, they're getting put in big situations. A lot of it's due to health and injuries and things like that, but, you know, they're yeah. you're getting they're getting that experience to build off of to hopefully pay off, you know, and, and Bone said it today, he's like, look, these guys are our present and our future. We got to start, you know, they got to start getting this experience at some time. So yeah, I'm really you, looking you for gotta start trusting them and they got to start trusting the process. You know, exactly. I mean, it, it's all about the trust and they've got to earn their trust. And, and you can't, they, they'll never learn that if they never get an opportunity to play. They're never going to learn that if they go in one game and sit out four games, go in one game and sit out four games. You know, and I feel that's kind of like what's happened to Hawka. You know, he'd come up here, he'd, he'd be here, but he maybe he only played like six minutes at a night, and then he'd get sent down, and yeah. he'd come back, he'd sit out the first four games, he'd play one game, get sent down, and you know, sometimes it's it's not good good on your head, and you're kind of starting to doubt yourself. So you got to handle these kids the right way.